Welcome to Voices Unlocked. This is your comrade Shaka, and I'm here with my co-host Pamela Bailey, co-founder of More Than Our Crimes. How you doing today? Great. And today we're going to be discussing President Biden's recent decision to end the public health emergency for COVID. There's been a lot of discussion because some people out here are still getting sick, but the ending of the public health emergency had a particularly dramatic impact in federal prisons for a reason some people might not expect. So since March 2020, Phone calls have been free in federal prisons because during the pandemic, personal visits weren't allowed. So phone calls are all they had. But there's an expectation, it hasn't happened yet, uh, but there's an expectation at some point soon, they'll start charging for phone calls again. And we're gonna be talking about just what kind of an impact that's going to have on prisoners. I interviewed one of our More Than Our Crimes Network members. His name is Askia Africa Burr. And he is currently incarcerated, has been for the last two two decades, more than two decades, in the federal prison in Inez, Kentucky, which is called Big Sandy. So I interviewed him and I started off with just asking a sort of obvious question, maybe, about just how important communication with the outside world is to somebody in prison. And it may seem obvious, but it's important to hear his perspective on this. Uh, if you want to, you know, maintain a degree of sanity, you're going to have to communicate with people in the outside world. Because in the end, everything is repetitious. It's so monotonous. You're doing the same thing day in and day out. Your conversations have become extremely limited. So when you communicate with people in the outside world, it allows you to live vicariously through people, you know, and just keep up to date with what's going on out there. And just to make you feel, you know, uh, valued and make you feel loved and like, you know, and supported because you need that. And here, if you're just, and then you have absolutely no one to communicate with in the outside world. Some prisoners have the tendency to just constantly relamp their shame over and over again. You know, and I mean by shame, I'm talking about your conviction. You're just constantly thinking about what you need to get in here. You know, and uh, that can be pretty awful. So if you need distractions and you need people in the outside with that emotional way, personal and psychological. This call is from a federal prison. Wow. Just hearing the kid talks about how important communication is, especially in the outside world. You know, sometimes that is your only buffer from the insanities, the, you know, the absurdity of being incarcerated in the incarcerated space. You know, having that line of communication out there with the outside world. I remember just hearing it just brings me back because I'm not that far removed from the, uh, being incarcerated myself. I think about how the role has been reversed now. Being the one, you no know, doubting only means of using a telephone and communicating the outside world to actually being on the outside world and being a recipient of these phone calls. And, you know, no matter where I go, whether I'm in the, at home or I'm at work, training or school, I keep my phone on and I keep it in my pocket. And I let them know, listen, if a jail call come, I got to take it. You know, even if it's only just accepting and say, hey, listen, I can't talk right now. But I'm doing this, but hey, how you doing? You know, just if I could just give them two minutes. Because, you know, that two minutes, you never know what a person's mind state might be. And that two minutes is just having somebody, just the fact that you have somebody on the outside world that's willing to press five to accept your phone call, to honor your presence, you know, to let you to remind you that you are still relevant in this world. That means a lot. Yeah, I mean, I relate to that because I'm the same way. I'm constantly getting calls from prison. And sometimes the other person I'm with doesn't understand. 
that I actually will stop what I'm doing just to take that call because I know that they don't get very often. They have these short periods of time. They have to wait in long lines. They can't predict when they can call. So it's not like I can tell them to call back. They can't. So I'm the same way. So obviously when it comes to communication, the best thing is personal visits, you know, human touch. But not only was that not possible during the pandemic, but it's also really expensive. So people don't think about that. Most of these families of people in prison are low income themselves. So if you're in D.C., say, you live in D.C., and you're going to visit a D.C. resident, because they're in the federal prison system, they're scattered all over the country. You may have to go to Florida or California even, and that means you have to buy airfare. You have to rent a car when you get there because these prisons are always in rural areas. You have to get a hotel room. So not only is it a big chunk of time if you're a working person, but really expensive. So that's really not realistic. Most of the friends I have in the network don't get many personal visits. So the next best thing is the following, because federal prisons don't have video visits yet. I know some of the states do, but they don't in the feds. So uh, the next thing is the phone. And that's sort of the next thing I was talking to ask you about is what that looks like, because they often have very few phones for a lot of people. And so he's going to talk about that now. In relation to telephone calls, when you don't receive visits, telephone calls is what allows you to keep us up, keep up to date on what's going on. When your loved ones and your relatives' lives, you know, your children, who you might not see regularly on visits, you get to talk to them and discover who they are, best friends, their favorite teachers, how they doing in school, you know. Just try to maintain that relationship between, you you know, you and your wife or, you know, your your lover. You just got to maintain some degree of intimacy, you know, and and connection. That's what the telephone calls and the emails allow us to do. I agree 100% with them. The fact that, you know, how important those telephones are as a lifeline for us, especially mentally and spiritually, because every day you got to realize we're constantly absorbing, 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 you know, uh, negative thoughts and negative attitudes and, you know, misery in this environment. You know, and sometimes I only escape from that reality is through 15 minute intervals of conversations of intimate moments that we can share with a loved one or a friend. You know, and that becomes so invaluable, you know, that you got all these men, but you're only this limited resource through this phone and it's not accessible to everyone. And sometimes you do have to take creative means, you know, to go outside that way of creating a line of communication. I think I go back to when I was at DC jail and um, there were like 120 guys in this unit and only had like five. They had eight phones in the unit, but only five was operable. <laughs> and especially when you're doing the pan, you know, this white prior to the pandemic but dc jail at that time you know they had to modify recreation which means one side of the tier come out for five hours and once that tier is done the next 18 hours or so whatever 17 hours so you're locked down in your cell you know so me i you know i made a bad decision for a good cause and i i found someone who was smuggling cell phones in the prison and i bought one and that actually Honestly, that cell phone was more precious to me than the food that they served because this was spiritual nourishment. Just the like, and also it was like, learning because you know, the now, mind you, I haven't seen a phone in, in over 15 years, 17, almost 20 years. So they had pagers when I got locked up and they just came up with the flip phone. So now you got phones where it's a screen, it's a smartphone, <laughs> you know. So having these young guys telling me, showing me how to operate a smartphone. <laughs> This is my first exposure to social media, internet. And, you know, but actually, honestly, though, Pam, I think, like, the moment where, like, it really hit me, and I actually, after 
I seen my grandmother, FaceTime my grandmother. I call my sister and, and she FaceTime and I'm FaceTime my grandmother. And this is, and like you say, because people understand, they had sent me to Virginia. I'm from D.C., right? So I'm in Jonesville, Virginia, in USP Lee County, right? You say, okay, that's Virginia, but you don't realize that's eight hours away from D.C. and through the mountains, through the Appalachian Mountains and things of that nature. Yeah. I haven't seen my grandmother in over 20 years. So actually to see her on that screen, and prior to this, like I see pictures, and of course, through letters or not, but this actually see how my grandmother has aged over these years, you know? And I'm like, wow. You know, that really, like, created a sense of urgency that man, I had to come home. But it also, it gave me appreciation that I still have a grandmother to call because I've seen so many other people lost their moms and grandmothers. So that telephone is a fundamental tool for your sanity and well-being. Yeah, I remember when that came up in your court hearing, the fact that you had had a contraband phone, (laughs) breaking a rule. But it does represent the risk that people will take just because that communication is so important to their sanity. The next soundbite we're going to hear from Askia during our interview as he talks about the other ramifications of what people will do, foolish things a lot of times, things that get them hurt, <laughs> just to get to those few phones. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems is you mentioned, actually, not enough phones for all those people, especially if you've been locked down and they're all of a sudden let out at one time. <laughs> Fights are going to happen, and that's what you'll hear about. The free phone calls were the absolute blessing. However... A lot of confusion came along with that because guys simply didn't know how to respect um, the vocations, you know, who got them. Listen, nobody governed the phones properly, but so guys abused it and disrespected it. The guys constantly disrespected the next president because they were so eager to take advantage of that 15-minute free phone call. So you would have the buddy system in effect. And what I mean by the buddy system, you have one guy allowing his friend to get on the phone after him and then his the next friend and the next associate and so forth and so on. So you had some guys who were unable to get on the phone. And the units that I'm in, the units that I'm, I'm in, which are not the program units, what they did was they switched the phone calls from 15 minutes to 10 minutes to shorten the phone calls so everybody could get on the phone. You had guys doing things like literally jumping off the top tier trying to race to the phone. One guy in particular I know who jumped over the top tier, he broke his damn leg in the process of trying to get to the phone. And guys uh, were completely indifferent to it. They just simply walked around them and uh, proceeded to get on the phone. And yeah, it was several knife fights and fist fights over the phones. Well, what, a, that, uh, what about adding more phones? <laughs> that's highly unlikely. We got six phones in the housing unit. And they expect us to be men and we govern ourselves. And uh, they'll allow everybody to get on the phone. When the phones, when you were paying for it, that wasn't the issue. Sometimes the phone banks would be open. But once they became free, guys were selling phone calls. You know, guys who didn't have money coming in from the street, like I said, the fact that we don't have a gym call, guys who don't have money and want things off a commissary that they couldn't purchase on their own because they didn't have the outside support to do it, they would sell their phone business. My next question to ask you is all about the cost. And it's important to remember that it's often not the prisoners paying the cost because they, they don't have any money if they don't have a job. So what often happens is the family members, the friends, I do this all the time. I can remember back when there was still a charge for phone calls. So it actually affects the whole family when you have to return to paid calls. Now, in this bite, we're going to hear from Askia. One thing, he he talks about the wages from prison jobs and how small they are, if you have a job. A lot of them don't. But he's going to mention Unicor. 
And what unicorns, as you know, is uh, a lot of people don't realize that there's a prison industry. It's a company that's operated by the Bureau of Prisons. It's for profit. And they make uniforms. What else do they make? Military vests, uh, electronics. Right. They break down the electronics from old computers and things of that nature. Right. And those are actually the highest paying jobs, but it's still not much. So when he talks about what kind of money you have to make to be able to afford phone calls, he says that if you don't have a unicorn job, it's really a hardship. And that's what he's talking about. So let's take a listen. I want to say it's approximately $60 a month. It's a phone bill. It's literally a phone bill. You know, it's an additional phone bill that the prisoner, if they don't have a unicorn facility they're operating in, he might can't pay if he just has a simple prison job in detail. Because that might all he gets throughout the month. He might get paid on his prison detail maybe fifty dollars unless they have a, a good paying job where they're working in the commissary or somewhere exclusive in the kitchen or he might get fifty dollars top. And that's that's not even gonna cover the phone calls for the entire month. The phone calls make approximately about sixty dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. I was thinking about it like, you know, when you <laughs> think about the cost of living and the set, uh, using the, the phone calls, you know, $60 may not seem a lot out here now, but for guys that in, you know, $60, you have to budget that as, you know, commissary, mailing expenses, phone calls and such and such. And now that I'm out here, I really think, you know, it is very expensive, especially when you're not making money, but it's a small price to pay just to have that connection, that meaningful connection with people. And, you know, I'm so appreciative to be home now where I can honestly have the conversations with these people, with my brothers that's still in. Yeah, you know, just thinks about it. It's, it's very disheartening, you know. I'm just listening because you got to realize I'm hearing his story and I'm reliving that that trauma. Because when I was there, because I know the feeling. And, you know, the expensive. It's very expensive just to maintain something that should be a fundamental right of you being connected with your loved ones. Because it's important to be reminded that you're not just an inmate, man. You're a son. You're a father. You're a brother. You're an uncle. You're still a contributing member of society. And sometimes this is our only lifeline, this telephone. Yeah, you know, some of the guys aren't good at writing. I don't know. You can sort of tell me if this is right. But I sort of picture sometimes when I'm at the computer, they're in a rush, you know. So I may just get a couple of lines. You don't really get a sense of a person that way. They feel much more comfortable talking. And so, you know, rather than having to write everything out. And for me, after I've been writing through short emails a lot, to hear the voice, to hear the, I can match a voice to a person, that's where their personality comes out. And it's essential to be able to make somebody more than just a words on a flashing screen. So I, I certainly hope that they can keep affording these calls because it's critical for me to get to know them, for everybody else in the network. So I hope this, these are the kinds of issues we're going to be talking about going forward that are critical out here and critical in the prisons. Please go to our website, morethanourcrimes.org, and subscribe to this podcast. <laughs>